This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. I wanted you to be able to see a, a picture of what it may have been like to be there that day. When the Lord Jesus walked out on the water and invited Peter to come out and to do the same. And today we're gonna be talking about perfect peace. And in our world, there is so much going on right now. From a COVID variant coming out every three days to egg prices and gas prices to wars to social injustice and unrest to you name it. There's so much going on in our world right now and our human tendency is to be afraid and our human tendency is to be worried and our human tendency is to be concerned and our human tendency is to feel anxious and even for some of us is to feel overwhelmed. But I wanna look through the scripture at this story that we just watched and see the beautiful invitation that Jesus gives us to walk in his perfect peace. Would you go ahead and pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you call yourself the Prince of Peace. And Lord, we're desperate for your peace. We're desperate for your hope. We're desperate for your joy. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that tonight you help us to see your peace. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the uncertainty, give us your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm really excited about tonight. Uh, this sermon, the Lord gave this sermon to me on Monday. I finished writing the whole thing on Monday. And then Tuesday, this uh, scene came out in the show called The Chosen. And it was like the Lord confirming, this is what I want you to talk about. And so if you would, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 14. And we're gonna read from the scripture that story that we just saw. While you're turning to Matthew chapter 14, I learned something interesting in studying this, and most people know that the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And shalom is a very special word because while it means peace, it's also how Jewish people greet each other when they see each other and when they leave. It's like hello and goodbye. Daily over each other, Jewish people speak this blessing, shalom, shalom, shalom. It's spoken over them over and over. And so I went to the Hebrew dictionary and looked up what the word shalom meant in, in Hebrew, and here's what it means. You see, in, in English, we know what peace is. It's like, maybe we think of it as tranquility. Maybe you think of peace maybe as the absence of chaos, or like peace for me is what happens after my three kids go to bed, right? But shalom is so much more than that. Shalom, here's what it means in the Hebrew dictionary. It means completeness means soundness, welfare, or well-being, and peace. It means completeness in, completeness in number or wholeness. It means safety and soundness in your body. It means welfare, welfare, health, and prosperity. It means peace and quiet, tranquility, and contentment. It means peace and friendship both with human relationships and, it says, in a relationship or a friendship with God, especially in covenant relationship with him. And it also means peace from war. 
shalom. It's a very special word in the Hebrew language. And when the Bible says that word peace throughout the Old Testament, that's the word that it's using, shalom. So the invitation from God has never been, if you follow me, your life will be free from trouble. How many of you who have been following God for more than five years have had a life free from trouble? Nobody's hand is up. Because Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so not, not only are we not promised to be free from trouble, but actually we're promised to have trouble but we're also promised that he is gonna be with us in the storm. And just like we saw with the disciples, they followed Jesus, they loved Jesus, they served him, they walked with him on this earth, but that didn't even exempt them from going through the storms and for going through times that brought fear in their hearts. But Jesus was with them. And so we're gonna come to Matthew chapter 14 and we're gonna start in verse 22. I'm gonna set the scene for you. Right before this happens, Two things took place. One is that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded. Jesus gets word of this. He gets word that his cousin has been killed and he's very distraught. And so the Bible says that he tries to go by himself to pray, but this crowd of people sees him and follows him. You see, Jesus had been doing miracles and healing the sick and teaching the good news of the kingdom of God and people were attracted to him. And so in his sorrow, in his grief, he looks up and all of a sudden there's 5,000 men plus women and children all around him wanting to be healed and wanting to hear his words, his teachings. And so Jesus had compassion on the crowds, it said, and he began to teach them. And this is where the story comes from, the feeding of the 5,000. So you know the disciples told Jesus, Jesus, you gotta send these people home. They need to go get something to eat. And Jesus said, well, you feed them. They said, Jesus, we don't have any food. He says, well, what do you have? Bring it to me. And so you know the story. They brought five loaves of bread. They brought two fish to Jesus. And in Jesus' hands, those five loaves and those two fish fed over 5,000 people that day. It was a miracle. Nothing like anybody had ever seen on the earth before. And so right after that, here's what happens. We're gonna pick up in verse 22. Immediately, meaning right after he fed the 5,000, He made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Here's a side note for you, and this is an encouragement to myself. If Jesus needed to get by himself and pray and talk to his father, how much more do we need that? That was free, as Pastor Stormy would say. Okay, so next part says, when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And verse 29 says, Jesus said, come. And so Peter asked, he said, if it's really you, Jesus, 
command me, call me to walk on the water to you. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but before Jesus just did that, nobody had ever walked on water in the history of the world. And so we may kind of wonder, like you saw the disciples, the other disciples were, Peter, what were you thinking? But he says, if it's you, command me to come. And then Jesus called Peter. Peter, come. And Peter had faith. So Peter, then he had a command from the Lord. And we get commands from the Lord, don't we? When whether it comes from scripture or whether it's a personal command from God, there's times in our lives where we know that God has called us to step out. Where we're called to step out and, and start a business. Or we're called to step out and leave a job that we're comfortable in. We're called to step out and have children with our spouse. We're called to step out and move away from our family to a new city, a new place, and set up a new life. We're called to raise our kids differently than the world raises their kids. We're called to behave and act differently than the world behaves and acts. We're called to tithe and do things with our money that don't make sense in our natural minds. All of us receive callings from God, just like Peter did. Come. And just like Peter, there may be a storm surrounding you. There may be wind, there may be waves, there may be people saying, don't do it, you're an idiot. But we have a call from God. The rest of verse 29 says, so Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. He stepped out and did what it was that Jesus had called him to do. And all of us have the same choice that Peter had that day. When God calls you, because he will, will you step out of the boat? Will you be obedient? Will you trust that he has your best interest at heart? Will you trust him that even though all the times you've dipped your toes in water before, it's never held you up? Will you trust him that this time it will? See, Peter was a fisherman. Peter had been on the water his entire life. And never one time did he step on it and it hold him up. Until this time, when he had a call from God. So the word shalom, I talked about it earlier, it means peace. But when Jewish people say that word twice, shalom, shalom, it's written that way at least once in scripture. It has a different meaning. And shalom, shalom means perfect peace. And you know, the world tries to offer you peace. You know, we, we may try to get peace even from things like drugs or alcohol, medications, from things that, that take our mind off of reality like TV, social media, video games. There's things that can give us peace. But those things bring temporary peace. Jesus brings perfect peace. And I want you to hold your finger in Matthew, 20, in Matthew 14, because we're coming back there, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 26. And this is gonna be the theme scripture of what we're gonna talk about tonight. Isaiah chapter 26. And we're gonna start in verse three. Get ready, because this is good. In Isaiah 26, three, it says, you keep him in perfect peace 
whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You keep him, meaning he stays there. It's not like one day I've got peace and the next day I'm in chaos. But you keep me in perfect peace, not temporary peace, not peace that has a hangover in the morning, but perfect peace. And you keep me there for one reason, because my mind is stayed on you. Did you catch that? When your mind is stayed or fixed or fixated or planted on God, then he provides to you perfect peace because you trust in him. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 14. And I don't think I've ever noticed this or ever paid enough attention to it. Look what happens in verse 30. So Peter gets out of the boat. He walks to Jesus. And in verse 30, it says, but when he saw the wind. Show of hands. How many of you in this room have seen the wind? It's like a Christian cliche, right? It's like you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind, just like God. We don't see the wind, but that's exactly what it says. He saw the wind. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Peter didn't see the wind with his physical eyes. We, we see leaves blowing in the wind and in West Texas we see dust blowing in the wind. You don't see the wind. And Peter didn't see the wind. So what happened? Well, when he was walking on the water towards Jesus, he had the call of God on his life and he was walking in obedience to it. Where was his mind? Stayed on God. And so he was walking on the water in perfect peace. But the moment that he took his mind off of Jesus... And he put his mind on the wind instead. He began to sink. And he was filled with fear. See, his demeanor changed from firm faith, walking on the water, doing something nobody else had ever done before, trusting Jesus, to being filled with fear, being afraid for his life, crying out for help, sinking and drowning. And the only difference was that his mind was no longer stayed on God. He no longer trusted in God in that moment. And the fear came rushing in. Because like Isaiah 26, 3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So he saw the wind, everything changed. His perfect peace left. His ability to walk in the call of God left. Because Jesus had called him, remember, walk on the water, come out here to me. But as soon as he took his mind off Jesus, he was no longer able to do that. He was no longer walking towards Jesus. He was no longer coming to Jesus like he was called to do. And that happens with us. That when, as long as we keep our mind stayed on God, we're walking on his call, no matter how difficult it is. But when we take our mind off of God and that perfect peace leaves us, we're no longer able to walk out the call he's placed on our lives. Reading the rest of this story in, in verse 31, it says, Jesus immediately 
reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I believe, just like in the show that we watched at the beginning, it wasn't a condemning way that Jesus said this. It was a loving way. That, Peter, your trust in me would have held you up. If you would have kept your mind stayed on me, you would have got all the way here. Why did you doubt? You know you can trust me, Peter. Why did you doubt? But even in Peter's doubt, even in his unbelief, even while he's sinking and failing at what God had called him to do, Jesus still never left him. And that's something that the enemy has lied to some of you about. That because you've taken your mind off of Jesus, that because you've strayed away, that because you've been like the prodigal son at times, that because you know what he's called you to do and you haven't done it yet, maybe you haven't even gotten out of the boat yet, Jesus is still with you. Jesus still loves you. And Jesus is reaching down his hand, waiting for you to take hold of it, just like he did for Peter. The Bible says in Genesis 16 <coughs> that he is the God who sees us that he's the God who hears our cries. And you serve a God that no matter what you do, he loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for you. And he's reaching out his hand to take hold of you. Verse 32 says, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Perfect peace. We're going to look at three things that perfect peace is, and we're going to start in Philippians chapter four. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible is Philippians chapter four. And the first thing that we're going to talk about with perfect peace is that perfect peace doesn't make sense. Peter shouldn't have had the peace that he needed to take a step on the water when everybody else was afraid they were gonna die. It didn't make sense, but his mind was stayed on God. And when our world is in turmoil, and when things are going bad every day, and when nobody can afford to buy a dozen eggs anymore, it doesn't make sense for us to have peace. It doesn't make sense for us to be still and know that he's God. What makes sense is to worry and disaster plan and be overwhelmed. But that's because the perfect peace of Jesus doesn't make sense. Philippians chapter four and verse seven says, and the peace of God, meaning not the peace that the world brings, not temporary peace, but the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It surpasses our understanding. It doesn't make sense. It's beyond what I can comprehend. It doesn't make sense. There's a man in our church, and I'm pretty sure he's in his early 80s. He looks great. Every Sunday that he comes in, I tell him, you, you look so happy today. He's always got a smile on. There's barely a wrinkle on him. And so one day I asked him, what is your secret to looking so young and to feeling so vibrant in your 80s? You know what he told me? Don't worry. Trust God. And I sat there kind of stunned that that's his advice. That's how you stay looking young. It's not Rogaine for your hair. Don't worry, trust God. And so I took that as, this is like 
He's my new mentor, and I'm gonna start doing what he does. It's incredible. Don't worry. Trust God. So perfect peace doesn't make sense. We have plenty of reasons to worry, but when your mind is stayed on God, you have perfect peace. Turn to Colossians chapter three. Just the next book of the Bible should maybe even be the next page for you. So perfect peace doesn't make sense. The second thing is that perfect peace keeps us on track. Just like as long as Peter's mind was stayed on God, he was doing what God had called him to do. He was walking on the water. He took his mind off of Jesus. His perfect peace left and he was no longer able to do what God had called him to do. In Colossians chapter three, verse 15, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And this is another verse. I've heard this about the verse, but I wanted to like see for myself to make sure. So I looked this verse up in Hebrew as well. And in the Hebrew dictionary, or this one's Greek, I'm sorry, in the Greek dictionary, the word rule right here, it literally means an umpire. You know, an umpire like in baseball, everybody's favorite person in the world, right? You see, an umpire in like a high school game, I know in MLB they've got, you know, replay and video and all that, but in like in a high school baseball game, umpire has the final authority. The umpire has the final say. If an umpire says that was a strike, it doesn't matter what you or your grandpa or your Uncle Billy say, it's a strike. And if the umpire says that's a ball, it doesn't matter if you feel like it went right down the pipe, it's a ball. Because the umpire has complete authority and final say in that game. If you wanna argue with the umpire, you can do that, but you're probably gonna get kicked out of the game, right? Because the umpire's in charge. And that's what this means, let the peace of Christ be an umpire in your heart. So the peace of Christ should have the final say in my life. The peace of Christ should have the final authority. And when the peace of Christ tells me to go this way, I need to go that way. And when the peace of Christ tells me to go this way, I need to go this way. Let it rule you. And there's times in my life that I've relied on the peace of God to give me direction and to tell me the next step, step I'm supposed to take. You know, we all make decisions in our life on a daily basis and we need the peace of God to rule us and to lead us. I remember whenever we were deciding when my, my daughter was four and she was gonna be going into preschool, we were deciding what to do with her. My wife and I had always talked about homeschooling her, but that just, it didn't feel like it was what was right for her to us. We live in, in this area and so we, her, her school would have been Miller Elementary right here close to us. That's a great school. So we thought we can send her to Miller. My wife and I both went to Trinity Christian schools. We thought we could send her to Trinity Christian school and we just didn't know what to do. And to us, this was a big decision that we were making for our children. And so I remember praying about it. Lord, we know you have a plan for Ellie. Would you show us what it is? And we waited and we waited and we waited. And then the registration deadline starts approaching for these schools and we're like, she's still not registered in school. Lord, you need to tell us. Then my wife starts getting antsy and she's like, I need you to decide if she's going to Trinity or Miller or homeschool. And I just knew in my heart, we can't make a decision until we have the peace of Christ. So I remember it's getting to where like, Trinity is filling up and if we don't register, we're probably not gonna get a spot. But we just waited and we waited and we waited. I remember I was driving home one day this day wasn't different than any other day. I have no idea why the Lord chose this particular day to finally tell me what I needed to do. 
But as I'm driving in my car home from work, I just get this peace in my heart. It's, it's a little bit unexplainable, but it's just a knowing Ellie's supposed to go to Trinity. And so I remember, I, as soon as I got home, I told my wife, enroll her. I, I have peace about this. My wife had peace about it as well. We enrolled her and she loves Trinity. She loves her school. She's done so well there. She's been there three years now. And we see that God led her there and he guided her there. But it took us waiting on his peace and being led by his peace and letting his peace be like an umpire in our hearts. You know, I've, I've overridden the peace of God in my life too. And I've, I've felt I need like the peace of God's telling me to do this thing, but I'm gonna do this thing instead. You can do that. You have a free will. But I can tell you from experience that that always brings pain. And it always brings regret. And it always, almost always, brings you right back to where you started so that you can actually follow the peace of God this time. And God is gracious with us. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. But part of what he does because he loves us is lead us by his peace. So whatever decision you're making today, whatever decision is coming up for you, wait on the peace of God and let the peace of God rule in your heart, amen? Don't override God's peace. So perfect peace doesn't make sense. Perfect peace keeps us on track. And last, perfect peace is a gift. You don't have to earn it. There's nothing you can do to get it on your own. It's a gift. And I want you to turn to book of Isaiah, chapter 53. We know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We sing about it, we talk about it that he gave his life for us so that we could have communion with God, that he took our place, that he bore our sin. We know those things. And those things are so good, they're so sweet to me, that Jesus would take my punishment. But we're gonna read the verse in Isaiah that talks about what Jesus did for us, and you may have never noticed what else his death paid for. Isaiah 53, verse five. And it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions, or for our sins, for when we miss the mark. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Do you know that on the cross, Jesus also paid for you to have peace, and for me to have peace? And I think, if he's willing to go to the cross and give his life to give me the gift of peace, there's been so many times in my life where I, I haven't accepted his gift of peace, where I haven't kept my mind stayed on him and so the perfect peace hasn't been available to me. But Jesus died for that, to give it to you as a gift. And I can tell you from experience, experiencing the peace of God and experiencing fear and worry and anxiety, that the peace of God is so sweet and it's so precious to me. It's a gift. And it's something that should never be taken for granted. Look at Isaiah 54, the very next chapter. I'm gonna read in verse 10. And it says, for the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. God's peace is not only a gift, but it's also not circumstantial. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of the biggest storm of your life. 
It doesn't matter if there's turmoil on the inside of your heart or on the outside, your job, your family, your kids, your health. It doesn't matter if there's turmoil and unrest. Inside, you can have peace because the perfect peace of Jesus is only dependent on one thing, that your mind is stayed on Jesus. There was a time almost three years ago now that I walked through some of the greatest anxiety that I've ever experienced. And it came because there was one day that, it was just like any other day, my son was fine, he was playing, having a great time. We took him over to my parents' house, we're eating dinner over there, and I looked over at him while he was eating and he was struggling to hold his spoon all of a sudden. And then he, he, his, his head was nodding and something just wasn't right. So I went over and tried to talk with him and he wasn't really able to communicate with me. So I start to get really concerned. I feel his head and he's burning up. And so I ripped his clothes off and we rushed him and, and my wife got him into the bath and I went to get something and all of a sudden I hear them screaming for me to come back in. So I run back and I look and my wife has pulled him out of the bath and she's holding him like this and his lips are blue and he's completely unresponsive. And in that moment, I was terrified. I thought I was gonna lose my son that day. He was two years old. And I remember I grabbed him from her and I ran him into the living room and I laid him on the floor. One of my brothers called 911 and the, the fire department, the ambulance were on their way. And I remember just screaming at the top of my lungs, you will live and not die in Jesus' name. You will live and not die in the name of Jesus. So still nothing, he's, he's blue, he's not moving, he's, not, he's, he's completely unresponsive. So the, the ambulance come and, and my son wakes up, he comes too. And he's still not himself, but he's awake and I'm so relieved. They put us in the ambulance, and they take us to the hospital. And come to find out he had had a febrile seizure, which is just a seizure that's brought on by a sudden fever. And so I'm telling him, he didn't have a seizure. His lips turned blue. He was unresponsive. I thought he was dead. And they told me, that, that actually is how it can manifest itself. So my son was, was okay. The Lord protected him. The Lord watched over him. But in my heart that day, something shifted. And to me, because of what I had experienced and because of what I had seen, it was almost like fever became the enemy. So I started checking his fever every day. I would get the, the thermometer and I would check him all the time. He would cough and I would rush over to make sure he didn't have a fever. And I was just so consumed with, I can't let that happen again. I know the Lord protected him, I know the Lord watched over him. And you know what happened within me? Is that my mind went from being stayed on God and never worrying about my kids, knowing that God took care of my kids, and instead of being stayed on God, I let my mind be stayed on something else. It's just like what, what Peter went through, that I, I turned and I looked at the wind and the waves instead of looking at Jesus. And this went on for quite a while until a few months after that, I started getting crazy headaches. I started having these, these chest pains and heart racing and things like that to where I thought I was having a heart attack twice. I ended up going and seeing doctors because I, I, I thought that I was having tumors in my brain. I thought I was having heart attacks. I thought I was having neurological issues. 
And after going and seeing a few of them, they told me, what you're experiencing is physical symptoms of anxiety. I've never even heard of that before. And they said that after telling them my story, they said that my anxiety was brought on by something they called being hypervigilant. Meaning I'm so focused, I'm so consumed on what's happening with my son that it's literally making me anxious and breaking my body down. And so I have to come to the foot of the cross and, and realign my, my life with Jesus. To say, Jesus, I do trust you. And help me when I don't. Help me when I'm unbelieving. And so I can tell you from experience that keeping your mind stayed on God and experiencing the peace of God is like honey on your lips. It's like, it's, it's something that we need. And after time and going through that situation in my life, I've experienced peace now. And I've brought my mind and I've stayed it back on Jesus. And I trust him with my kids. And I know that whatever happens to them, he's in control and he loves them and he loves me and he's taking care of them and I have nothing to worry about. I have nothing to be anxious for. The beginning, we read uh, Philippians 4, 7. The verse right before that, Philippians 6, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request before God. It says with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that surpasses our understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's perfect peace. Would you go ahead and stand up on your feet? And if you would just bow your head and close your eyes, I'm just gonna pray over us. And if there's anybody in this room right now and you say, I'm going through a storm right now and I've let my mind be stayed on other things besides God. If you felt that peace leave you, if you felt that fear, that worry, that anxiety, that, that feeling of being overwhelmed, and you know it's because you need to get your mind stayed back on God. With everybody's head bowed and everybody's eye closed, would you just raise up your hand if that's you and I wanna pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your sons and your daughters with their hands lifted up right now. Lord, I know the pain of anxiety. I know the pain of worry. But I also know the blessing of your perfect peace. And Lord Jesus, I pray for your help. I pray for your grace that you would help each one of us to keep our minds stayed on you. And that you would keep us in perfect peace because we trust in you. Lord, I pray that the peace of God that surpasses our understanding, I pray right now it would guard each heart and each mind in Christ Jesus and that you would help us to be anxious for nothing and to come before you, God, with our requests and with our struggles and with our worries and our concerns. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts and we wanna walk in your ways and walk in the calling that you've given us. So keep us in your perfect peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.